Pickaxe. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hello my friend, my name's Sean and I want to end your suffering. No, not like that, with meditation in my new podcast, Mindfulness for Gamers. Each episode, I'll take you through how mindfulness can help you to feel less anxious and frustrated and put you on the path of happiness, all through the lovely, grimy lens of video games. So make time to level up your mental health and take the first step on your spiritual skill tree. Join me and subscribe to Mindfulness for Gamers right here, right now. Coffee verdict? I've got coffee out of milk. I have a tiny dash of milk in my... Basically, I've got a big-ass Americano with a, a just enough milk for me. I can't... I'm not sure I can handle um, black coffee too much anymore. I just like a little bit, little bit. I'm, I'm not afraid to admit that I like milk in my coffee. I feel a lot of um, alpha males will say, you need a black Americano. Otherwise, you're not a man. You need just an espresso shot or you're not a man. I like my milk. Um, but yeah, today we are talking about separating yourself from your work. Um, art versus artist. I feel that's a different kind of conversation, but this is more. What do we say? What are we? What are we saying about it? it it's more de- dealing with doing work and not being your work. Um, you know, it, it's kind of like you are not your work is the common phrase. You are not. You are. You are not your work. You are. You're a separate entity from your work. There's no pressure about it. Don't. Don't worry about it is kind of the, a lot of the people... I'm rambling. I'm rambling because I've not prepared an intro. <laughs> um, but what am I talking about in this episode? It's kind of like working as an individual versus visualizing yourself as like a company. Uh, we're going to talk about dealing with critical feedback about work. We're going to be talking about group work, uh, talking about feedback, talking about all kinds of bits. Um I'll also intersperse a little story about a fly throughout this um, podcast. Maybe it's not—it's not a good story. It, um, but hey, it's coming at some point. Anyway, a little bit of background context for this story. For people listening that may not know, for people watching live, I'm sorry that you have to listen to me talk about this again. I've been making console cards, little little trading cards based on games consoles. I'm selling them on Etsy. StudioHXN.etsy.com. I've been doing this. I've been doing this thing. And my old boss has ordered some. Mr. Mr. Lewis Brindley of the Oxcast. Technically my old boss. Um, ordered some of my cards. He's ordered all of them so far, actually. Nice man. Thank you, Lewis. Appreciate it. And so all these cards I just kind of, you know, send out into the post, send them into the ether. And they get delivered. And they're just, they're out there. It's kind of weird. I, I do find it weird that I send out things and they just end up places and people have them. Anyway, I hand deliver my cards to Lewis and it kind of sparks a conversation between he and me. And he kind of, he kind of gives me some advice, some good advice. 
and we have like a kind of a discussion about kind of branding and my work with these designs and and kind of surrounding thoughts around them all. And it's an interesting conversation. I want to share some bits of that with you and and how I've kind of processed it and what I've taken from it. Because obviously any any conversation you have with anyone, I, I believe is kind of take what you feel is relevant and discard what you don't think is appropriate. So there's some stuff I, I agree with him and some stuff I'm like, mm, this doesn't fit my vibe. Um, but that's kind of how I approach most conversations. I always listen with an open mind. I go, yep, I'm listening. I want to take this in. And then I'll take time to process what's been said and kind of just take what aspects I think actually suit what I'm doing. So obviously my store is kind of set up with the idea. It's it's Studio HXN, Studio Hickson, but weird letters, basically. It's meant to be like a little design studio. It's meant to sort of represent for me, it's like, it's not directly me, but it's stuff I'm making. And so for me, it's kind of gives me a degree of separation from the work I'm making is, is my intent behind it. So like with these console cards, when I was designing a few of them, it was kind of like when I was designing the first ones, the art piece on them, I was kind of thinking, not what I wanted to design. I was never designing for myself. I was never making a piece of art that I liked. To be honest, it was more what's going to appeal to more people. So I had a few sort of iterations of like the same design with a few slight tweaks. And I've, I polled the publicly to see what was the most popular generic look. Because it's not a design for me, essentially, was the, was the outlook. And me sort of branding it as a separate entity meant I didn't really take it personally that I wasn't designing for myself. So that, that's the logic behind branding it Studio HXN. That was my logic behind it. It was like, it's not me. And it gives me that degree of separation, right? So back to our conversation with Lewis. He's he's talking he's talking to me. He's he doesn't know this. He doesn't know this um, thought process I have behind it. So he says, "I don't know why you have the, your store labeled as you know whatever it is. It feels impersonal." Obviously, he doesn't recognize the letters. I'm like, sure, whatever, that's fine. I'm I'm here to listen. I'm here to listen to an outside perspective. This is good. And he kind of goes on to talk about how so many companies are trying to be more relatable, right? You see on social media, so many companies are trying to be like down with the kids. You know, I know my memes. Yo, what up? Companies are trying to be people. And he's like, you should be hesitant to rush to make yourself too professional because all the professional people are trying to be more individual individual and relatable. And so you shouldn't, you shouldn't try and be... Oh, a studio. You should try and just be a person. I was like, I really like that outlook. I I really think that's a that's an interesting perspective. So I've I've gone to this position where I'm like, I wanted to sort of brand it as its own entity, which is separate from myself. But then also, if it's branded as this studio, it feels overly tryhard. And like that kind of makes sense, right? And I think from even just like a promotional kind of standpoint, an individual has a easier way of sort of promoting. It feels more natural for a person to promote something than it does like a company to promote something. Like films, just just films in general. 
I feel like actors, half their job is promoting films that they're in, right? I think it's much easier for the star of, of the fucking film to sell something than it is for like the production house. Like, you're not going to really pay attention if like Universal goes, oh, we've got this great film lined up. We've laid on a cracking film for you. But but say there's a fucking Mr. Tom Holland or some shit. And he's gone. You go, well, you know what, Tom Holland? I think you have a point here. I think, you know what? You've convinced me. You're so, huh. oh, Mr. Tom Holland, you're so relatable. That little, I get, I, I'm so on board with that. It's, it's a lot more personal. It's a, it's a person-to-person interaction, and this person-to-person inter- interpersonal relation has sold me on the fact that, yes, I want to buy your product. I want to see your film. I want to buy your product, is essentially what it is. And so I, I kind of see this angle of, like, you shouldn't be rushing to make yourself a professional thing. There is a point in time where you should be happy just being a dude chilling. Um, so it's kind of like I'm taking elements of, of this kind of perspective of don't rush to make yourself a professional thing, right? Don't rush to be a professional little business. But I'm also taking the perspective of I want to separate myself from my work so that I don't feel too emotionally attached for it. And so... I'm more comfortable designing for other people and trying to find this middle ground of I'm making a thing and I'm designing it for masses by mentally sort of prepping and going, this is a studio HXM product. This isn't directly a Joe product, but I'm going to promote it as, as myself, right? It's not studio HXM presenting it. It's, it's not a studio going buy our product. It's me going, Hey, I made a thing. Well, is, is trying to have that personal connection sort of th- stuff, right? But also having the separation, one degree of separation from myself and kind of trying to find that healthy middle ground. So it's like, Lewis's recommendation to me was, don't, don't have fucking Studio HXN. It's stupid. You need to be relatable. It's better to be relatable than trying to make yourself a business. So I've kind of taken a bit of it. I've, I've listened to this advice. I've listened to this outsider's perspective, right? And I've gone, yes, but no, but yes, I like that bit. And I feel that's probably the best way to take any advice is always take it with an angle, look at it, appreciate it, understand it and apply it to how it makes sense to you. Um, so yeah, that's kind of, that's kind of been on my mind recently. I swear with like a lot of, but back to Tom Holland completely, I swear with like a, a lot of Tom Holland viral clips where he's like, quote, accidentally leaked something, right? I feel all of that is intentional. I feel that's all scripted or at least a, like a part of it scripted going, oh, Tom Holland's leaked a thing again. And it's like, no, this is just promotion. This is planned because we're talking about it now. I'm talking about it now. It's ha-ha relatable, but oh, we're talking about the product. That's how they get you. That's how they get you. Maybe I need to do a, a whoopsie-doopsie. Oh, I've, I've leaked my designs. Whoopsie-doopsie. What I should do, I should do, oh no, I've accidentally done, done a discount code that was too high and I can't take it down. Whoopsie-doopsie. 
And they go, ha ha, Joe, so funny. He accidentally made a really big discount code for his, for his store. God, it's funny. That's funny. And then people buy the product. Maybe that's a, maybe that's a tactic. I feel this kind of leads us on to talking about, well, receiving critical feedback, right? Like when Lewis sat down with me and we had, a, we had like a very long chat. This, this was just a little excerpt of our conversation that I wanted to share, but we had a, a long chat about other bits and he gave me a lot of feedback from his perspective of stuff I should change. And I'm listening and going, yes, and I'm not, I'm not feeling attacked, right? This is critical feedback about something I'm doing, but... This is just typical, typical, very generic advice. When you receive feedback, don't take it personally, is the, is the kind of general advice. If someone's criticizing your work, they go, oh, this bit isn't very good. Don't go, oh, oh, you've attacked me as, you've attacked me personally. Oh, ah, you hate me because you didn't like my colors. But So the, the typical advice is don't take it personally because... It's basically, it's feedback on your skill. Not you, but your skill. It's feedback on your work, not you. You are not your work. It all comes back down to that. You are not your work. A little punching the microphone. It's like, okay, imagine, imagine you're a, a long jumper. Is that what they're called? People that do long jump? And you, you, you want to learn to jump further. And so someone comes in and goes, oh, if you extend your body a little bit like this, at this moment, you will be able to long jump further. They're criticizing your technique. They're giving you feedback for your technique. I feel for something practical like that, where you have a very set goal of jumping further, it's quite easy to kind of go on, mm, okay, yes, this is critical feedback. I'm going to take that and I'll just apply it and do the thing. Does this make sense? Does this make sense? I feel for something very physical like that, it's easy to accept feedback and just apply it and not take it personally. You don't feel like if someone's going, here's how to improve your long jump technique. I don't know why I'm using long jump as an example. It's very easy to go, yeah, okay. I am not my long jump technique. I am much more than my long jump technique. I will, I will accept feedback for my long jump technique and make it better. And so with a lot of work, it's just, it feels a little bit more personal and it feels a little bit more, there's a lot more variables. It's not quite so black and white. It's not measuring how far you've jumped, but it's still kind of similar. So take feedback as if you were a long jump. I feel like I'm losing myself in this analogy. <laughs> Am I making sense? But... I'm going to do a, hey, switcher on you. Maybe you should take all this personally. Maybe you should. Maybe when someone turns around and goes, hey, this sucks. Maybe you should be taking it personally, but not in a bad way. Okay. Someone turns around and go, hey, you did this work, bruh. It's kind of bad. Maybe what they're really saying is, hey, this work, I know you've got it in you to do better than this. I believe that you can do better. I've seen what you're capable of so far, and I believe that you can do more. Maybe this is the positive way of looking at negative critical feedback. Maybe it's, okay, so they don't like this, but they've seen how much I've done so far, and then gone, we're going to push you to a little bit more. We're going we're gonna, to we're gonna push you a little bit further, and you do a little bit more better. 
We're going to push you further. You've got, to, you've got a long jump further. I managed to loop back in the long jump. We're going to push you a bit further and you're going to get some extra distance on your jump. We're going to, I, I believe what you've got here is good enough. I'm going to give you some critical feedback. We're going to push you to more extremes. I've seen what you're capable of. Let's do more with it. So yeah, maybe do take it personally. Maybe it's like, hey, this sucks. And I know you as a person have the work ethic to do better. I believe in you. So maybe that's how we should be taking critical feedback. Maybe we do take it personally, but in a good way. So I, I used to be kind of frustrated as a person when I sent off work and I got notes back, right? That used to irritate the shit out of me. When I would send something off and they go, I need changes on this. That actually used to bug me. You know, I, th I think it's because I was quite arrogant back, back a few years back where I, I'd do something and I go, yeah, that's good. I think it's good. Therefore, it's good. It's done. I've sent off. It's done. I'm good. And it comes back with changes and notes and I've got to tweak it more. I'm like, you're telling me my work wasn't good enough? What the fuck, dude? What the fuck? I know it's good. I did it. I'm the best. But it's kind of, yes, taking into account everything we just said, but also the thing that kind of stopped me getting as frustrated with sort of doing revisions on, on work and doing changes was every time I send something off, mentally I go, switch off. The work's done. It's not mine anymore. It's out there. It's a, it's a thing that exists. It's not me. It's not anything I've touched. It just, it's just there whatever. Okay. I make a video. As soon as I hit send, I try and cut all ties I have to it emotionally. So I send it off. And if it comes back to me with notes, I'm looking at it like what I've just received is a whole new video and they're approaching me to address the issues of this video. I've never seen this video before, but I know how to edit. And they have some tweaks they want to change to it. I'm like, mm, yes, I can make those changes. And I'm not looking at a piece that I've made. I'm trying to look at it as a piece as like, this is a whole new piece to me. I've never seen it before. It's a whole new project. Each time I receive notes, I'm treating it like it's a new thing coming in. And I feel, I feel it's kind of, it, it works for me at least, right? It works for me. And it, it kind of, it kind of stops me getting frustrated going, oh, my work's never good enough. I think that makes sense. I think the thing to remember when you're working for someone with someone and you're receiving notes and you're receiving feedback on stuff is your job is to make them happy. If you're in a position where you need to get work done and you're receiving notes, it means your, your job right then is to make the client happy. Your job isn't to satisfy your own ego. You're not here trying to go, I've got to make the best work possible that I think is the best. Your job is very simple, make client happy. And you should be basing your, your feelings on how happy you're making the person you're working for happy. You shouldn't be trying to find satisfaction in the what you think is quality work. Say you're making a poster and you want it to be blue, right? And you send off your blue poster and your client turns around and goes, actually, can we make it green? You shouldn't be going, no, blue. Blue's better. Blue looks good. Blue's better than green. Your job is to make the client happy. And you should be basing how you feel about your work on how happy you're making your client, not how creatively fulfilled you feel. Right? I mean, maybe maybe it is like 
it, it's kind of weird because it's a hard trade-off. Like everyone wants good work to put in their portfolio and they want work they are proud of. And so sometimes it is hard to go, oh, I, I just need to accept that I'm doing work for other people. So maybe if, you, if you're thinking about that, make your piece for the client, make them happy first. And if you're still thinking, I need portfolio work, make make little unpublished variations for the portfolio, you know? Just put it in the portfolio as, a, as an alteration going, this is the direction we went with. Here's some other suggestions we had. You know, just keep it in the backlog if, if you know, if it's fine with NDAs and whatever. But like, had the variations as your body of work that you can sort of still promote. Like, maybe it's not what the client wants. Maybe it's what you like. But if you feel it's still good work, you can still hold on to it. But if you're sending off stuff, it should be what the client wants, not what you want. I tell everyone to make their portfolio the work they want. Don't put in everything slash what you don't enjoy. So true. So true. You should only be promoting the stuff you want to be doing more of. Really. Like, if you hate making dog commercials because you hate working with animals, don't put a dog commercial in your showreel. If you like working in food, put lots of food in your showreels. It's that simple. It is that simple. So, about that fly I was talking about earlier. There's been a fly in my flat all week. I feel it's trolling me. Why do flies in, like, when you have a fly in your apartment, how do they just follow you about? Like, just enough that they're annoying, but not to the point where they're always there. Like, you'll be doing something, and it'll show up in, the, in your peripheral. Like, it kept landing on my monitor. I think it's actually gone now. I've not seen it today. So maybe the fly's gone. It's been in my flat all week. And it's the kind of thing where it shows up every, like, third hour. And I try and catch it and get it out my flat, and it disappears. So it's like, why do they do that? I have a feeling like maybe flies are dead people that you know, and they're just looking in on you. This is weird. This It's a weird thought to have, but maybe they are. Maybe they're <laughs> reincarnations of people you know, and they're just checking in. Anyway, I kind of want to talk about group work now. Group projects, working collaboratively, Collab, collab, in collaboration. Collaboratively? Is that a word? Collaboratively? Working in collaboration with others. Um, Because honestly, I think this is probably one of the hardest things to do in life. For me personally, I find this incredibly hard. Um, Dealing with other people while doing work is hard. Okay? Any line of work, working with other people is hard. Ultimately, I believe that everyone is doing what they think is best, right? Everyone everyone wants best. Everyone kind of wants the same outcome. Everyone wants to make good work. End of the day, if you're working with other people, they're all probably thinking, I want this work to be good. Half of them are probably thinking, I want this work to be over. Half of them are probably thinking, I want this work to be good. And maybe some of them are thinking both, right? The issue is when it comes to working with people, and I feel this is more of a thing when it's like a, a, a creative, a creative, a creative process, and it's people having different thoughts on what they think is best, right? I guess with manual tasks, it's very easy to measure success of work with, with outcome. But with like creative pieces, it's like not one choice is going to be better than the other. And people have different preferences, people have different tastes. And so what one person thinks is good, someone else may think is not so good. 
uh, kind of going back to like one person wanting a blue poster and another person wanting a green poster. One may not necessarily be better than the other, but you've got to work together with what's, what collaboratively you think is going to be best. And so it's kind of hard when people have misaligning preferences and you're trying to work to the same end goal of good end product. That's, that's when it gets tricky, right? I feel like collaborative projects work better when people kind of have their own set roles, right? It's like a, a, a film. If you're on set for a film, everyone has their own very specific job. You have one person that does the lighting. Maybe it's a team of lighting, but you know what I mean. You've got one person that does the lighting. You've got one person operating the camera. You've got, well, yeah, again, you probably you have multiple people operating the camera. You have people pulling focus. You have one person pulling the focus. You have one person setting the frame. You have one person doing costume. Again, multiple people doing costume. You know what I mean? Everyone's designated within their roles of doing, I'm doing this one set thing for this group project. I find it so funny saying group project for something like film. It's just a group project, isn't it? It's a collaborative piece of work. And I feel like when everyone has their own very set role within these projects, that's when it becomes easier. It's kind of hard when everyone's sort of at the same level though, and you have clashing interests where your roles are overlapping, but you have a different vision of where it's going to end up. That's when it becomes an issue. I think at the end of the day, a lot of the work doesn't, doesn't really matter. It doesn't re at the end of the day, nothing really matters, right? I kind of, I kind of like the saying, have strong ideas, but hold them lightly, right? Have good ideas or just, or just hold your ideas lightly. If you have an idea, if you have an interest in a direction, have it, throw it out, but be willing to let go of it, okay? Don't be so precious over, over your thoughts because it doesn't really matter at the end of the day. Yeah, you can have an idea, but it may, it may not go ahead. You want, I'm going back to the blue poster design. You want the poster to be blue. Don't get so attached to this idea of the poster being blue to the point where it's like, stopping progress and you're starting arguments with people over no the poster should be blue the poster has to be blue don't don't be that person be willing to accept the change and go go with the flow i think what it comes down to is when working in collaboration with other people it's the people that matter more than the work because when you when you've done a piece of work the work is done and it's there it's out it's done but your relationship with these people is ongoing, right? It's not like I've done this piece of work, it's done and it's done forever. Okay, I never had to interact with these people ever again because the work is done. Quite often when you've done a piece of work, it normally means you're more likely to work with these people again because you have a piece of work out which you have done together. So I think that's probably honestly the main thing you should just keep in the back of your mind of when you're designing when you have an idea, don't be so attached to your own ideas and your own ego to the point where you're damaging relationships with other people. Don't let your different tastes in color ruin a relationship. Explaining why it helps to be collaborative instead of being combative. I, yeah, that's true. I think a lot of working with people is kind of explaining your point of view and not just like head plowing forward, right? I think the, the best way to collaborate with other people is going, this is the design option I like. Here's why I like it. What do you think? 
It should be, this is my idea. This is why it's good. This is why this is a good option. You should avoid going down the route of, I don't like yours. Mine is better. It should always be focus on the positives of each and outweigh positives with each other, not bosh, mine best. Mine best because mine best, mine better than yours. It shouldn't be fighting your your colleagues. It should be uplifting each other and working together to make good thing. Let's Let's take a step back though from working alongside other people and move back to working for people. When you're working for a client, you're not, you're not working alongside them in the way that you're both designing at the same time and trying to come up with a mutual outcome. You're designing, showing, adjusting, right? It's slightly different. I still see when you're working for a client, you're working with them still, right? But it's a different process. It's not like two people rowing a boat at the same time. It's you're rowing your boat and you're checking in. Is this looking good? Am I rowing good? Are we getting to the right place? And they go, yeah, you're going the right way. This is good. Keep rowing. And you keep rowing. It's not two guys in a boat rowing at the same time and trying to get to one destination, which they don't know where they're going. It's one person rowing the boat and then checking with someone who's not rowing and going, is this good? And they're going, yeah, that's good. So I always think when I'm working for someone, I'm, I'm working with them. I mean, you've always got to keep your clients in the journey with you. It's kind of, it's a healthy thing to do is, is like, you've got to make them feel like they're included, right? You've got to make them in with the process. You can't just go, here's the final results. And they go, I don't feel like I had a hand in this at all. You kind of got to keep it with them. They got to feel included. With that said, when I send some work off to a client, I want critical feedback. You know, I want them to tear apart the work I've done. I want, I want, I want to send off stuff and I want them to go, I don't like this. I don't like this. I don't like this. But I also, on the other hand, want them to go, I like this, this, and this. I want both sides. When I send something off, I'm very happy when I get critical feedback. If I send something off and it just comes back all good, I don't know what to do. I kind of just go, that doesn't help me at all. When I send something off initially, it's kind of like, here's my initial concept. I've taken your brief. I've had a crack. Here's an idea. What do you think? And they go, good. You can't do anything with that. You need critical feedback. You need that critical feedback. Otherwise, you don't know what direction you're going in. I think the other concern I have when I send something off, this happened recently. It was like, I sent something off and I literally got a all looks good response. And I, I was just like, I don't know what to do with this. Like, it's not finished, but I've got an all good so do they think that this mock-up is finished? And I don't know what to do with that. And it's kind of worrying where it's like, if you send something off and you get like an all good response and what you know you've sent off is like a concept, you're going, do they, do they care about the quality? Do they know what they're talking about? If you're not getting any critical feedback, how can you be sure that the work you're doing is actually any good? If, if, you, if you have no negative feedback to your work, it feels like they don't actually care about good quality because there's always something negative. There's always something you can criticize within any piece of work. Even if it's really good, there's always something you can kind of look at and go, mm, not sure about that. There's always something. So if you get the all good response, that's probably a bad thing. It means your client doesn't care about good work and then that's worrying, right? So yeah, this has happened to me recently where I sent something off and I got an all good and I'm like, oh shit. 
fuck, okay. Luckily, I proceeded with it and sent off more stuff afterwards. And then they came back with like, actually, tweak this and this from this final thing you've sent over. Just tweak this and this and I'm good. I'm like, okay, thank fuck. They do care about quality. But I, I panicked for a moment because I was like, I've got no feedback here. Is my work good? I don't know because I have not got any feedback. Instead, they say all good, but that means, is it good? I don't know. Now, this last point, I haven't prepared any notes on. So as always, a lot of these stuff, I kind of, I poked the Discord beforehand to get some ideas of where to take the conversation. I believe this this point was sent in by Zuba on the topic of separating yourself from your work. And it's just the question, what happens when you stop? And like, this kind of, this really caught me off guard, this question. What happens when you stop? Fuck. What happens when you, what happens when you stop? Fuck. It really, it sent, it sent me through a loop to the point where I haven't read any notes from it. But I feel it's such an interesting thought. What happens when you stop working? It's a weird one, right? So let's look at this from the perspective of a person who has not separated themselves from their work. I feel I have been this person where I am so invested in my work, in my personal work, where I'm making videos and, and all that jazz and I'm, I'm working nine to five and then I'm putting out stuff and I feel like I am my work, basically. Not a healthy place to be in. I think it's incredibly hard to take a break from working when you are 100% invested in your work and you've got nothing else going on and you're just focused on I need to just work because I am making work and that's what I'm doing. I'm work. I am out, I am my output. When you stop, you kind of lose your sense of self weirdly because you've become so attached to what you are making that you don't really know who you are when you don't work, which is a very dangerous place to be in, right? Because not, well, not anyone, no one can work 24 seven, seven days a week. You need to take a break. Mentally, your brain cannot work constantly. And so if you don't like have a degree of separation from your work, if you are fully going, I am my work, I am nothing without my work, your brain gonna have a bad time, basically. Your brain gonna have a very bad time. However, if you have this degree of separation, it means you can you can step back. You can have some healthy detox time, right? It's I feel it's harder with creative work, where I feel it's very easy to become very attached to your work because creative work is often very personal. And so this is a harder thing to do for creative work, but I think can just about be achieved. It's like why I've separated my cards, like going back to the start. I've separated my cards from myself, so it means I can take a break from them without feeling attached to not doing anything. It feels like a separate entity to me. So like, if I'm not working on it, I still feel like myself. I think what I'm like learning to appreciate more and more is the idea of like a nine to five, right? The concept of like going to work for your set hours. Hours, I said that weirdly. Going to work for your set hours. And when you stop for the day, you're done. You're no longer working and you're done for the day and you're your own person and you have your own interests. You can go home, you can do your hobbies, you can have some pleasure time. I feel people that maybe don't work in like creative industries as much or have set nine to five jobs probably have a healthier relationship with themselves because they kind of have these very distinct separations between these hours I am doing work and these are the set things I do during my work. And then you're done, you can switch your brain and go, 
I, I am no longer at work. I can do my own stuff. Um, I think it's harder to do when you are doing a creative job because creative thoughts are very sort of background churny, right? Say you're a dentist and you, you do fillings during the day. You're filling teeth, you're cleaning, whatever. You're doing dentist shit during the day. When you get home, or maybe you are, maybe you do think about work a little bit, but you're not like constantly going, oh God, how am I going to solve that filling? There's a filling, there's a filling that I've started work on. I started doing some filling on this tooth during the day. I know I need to finish it by next week. What kind of angle do I need to fill it from? Am I, am I going to use this color fill or should I use the, the slightly different tone? You're not having to like problem solve in the background of your head. If you have something a bit more you know, physical or practical, a practical job is much easier to switch off from. Sometimes when I'm trying to switch off, I, <laughs> I remember I forgot to get water for table 15. Yeah, yeah, I guess. But like, it's not something you have to solve though, is it? It's just done. It is what it is, it's done. I guess it's still rumination with any work, but I feel you're not having to like problem solve it as much. So basically, as I'm sort of progressing through life, I feel like I'm trying to find ways to separate the creative work I'm doing from myself. So that way I can sort of do them during certain hours. And when I'm not doing them, I'm not thinking about them. I think the other thing was like, when you're doing personal work, um, like for me, when I'm, I make videos, yes. And for me, it's very personal. I feel very attached to my videos because they are very personal to me. And I feel like me making videos is still very much a part of myself. I don't think I'm ever going to be able to detach making videos from my self-identity because it's something I really enjoy and passionate about. It's still kind of a hobby for me, which is why I never want my videos to feel like it's work. So when I'm, when I stop, when I stop making videos, it feels, it feels weird and it sets a weird sort of self pressure on myself to make more stuff. Cause I feel like I'm losing myself if I'm not making stuff, if I'm not making a video, I feel like I'm losing my sense of self and a bit of my identity. Weirdly, I kind of feel like that. However, there's other types of videos which I make. Like Scrub Dota went on break for half a year. When that was on break, I didn't have this the same pressure I would have felt if I hadn't made a personal video for, for a half year. Weirdly. It's not exactly the same, but the Scrub Dota videos were kind of, they're kind of set up with like, they're their own thing, right? They're not as personal to me. And so when it's on break, I'm not feeling like I have an obligation as much. I feel like it's something I can put down and go, it's done, whatever. Does this make sense? I don't know. I don't know what I'm saying. I guess what I'm realizing is like my personal videos are still just hobbies, right? But other videos I do is technically work. I guess it stems back to the idea of um, media versus art. And I'm not going to talk about that fucking shit again because that was a rambly one. But I feel like if you're losing yourself when you stop doing a thing, if you're losing yourself when you stop doing a thing, maybe it's not work. Or maybe your work is too intertwined with yourself to an unhealthy level. Let me just repeat, let me just repeat the very vague question so it recenters my thought. So what happens when you stop? Essentially, if, if you've not separated yourself from your work and you stop doing the work, you lose your sense of self. And that can be very hard if you, if you don't feel like you're existing, as it were. 
if you're too attached to your work, when you stop doing the work, it becomes incredibly unhealthy. So you need to find ways to have that one degree of separation from your own work. And this may just be mental stuff. If you're a creative person, maybe you can find mental ways to set designated times. So during these hours, I am working. And when I'm not in these hours, I'm not working. Maybe you need to set separate entities up, right? So I have my my cards are set up as its own distinct business, as it were. And it's its own entity and I can separate that from myself. So when I'm not working on that, I'm still me, right? I think that's what it comes down to. I think I kind of got there. Um, basically, don't get overly obsessed with work because it's kind of bad and you'll lose yourself. But yeah, I, th- I think... I think I've covered the points I wanted to cover. I'm not sure whether it was done coherently, but it but it's it's kind of there. If you want to help derail these podcasts live, come come watch them every every Saturday on on my Twitch. I'll um I'll catch you next time. Bye.